Buckaroo. Holiday. Buckaroo. Holiday. Congratulations. You have arrived at the 10th Buckaroo Holiday and are thereby eligible to unlock Buckaroo Rewards. It's our way of thanking you for your continued support. More on that in a minute. Buckaroo Holiday is a complimentary value cast. Hey, good looking. Here's a dollar. Huh, that's what I call complimentary. That's what I call value. Offered as a public service by Schoolyard Gents, a venerable pickling facility in the socially and environmentally responsible hinterburglet known as Bayshore, New York. I'm Michael J. Murphy. You can call me sport if you like, but whatever you call me, you're going to call this one heck of a lucky day. Because for every two selections you hear on today's value cast, take another one on the house. That's right. And today we lift the limit. Listen free of charge for as long as you like. Want to replay a selection or even the entire show? No skin off our ass. Go right ahead. All we ask is that you stay online for a brief survey when the show ends. Your answers and opinions help us continue to bring you the very best in music, monologue, and humor. So strap on and shove in. Watch the closing doors.
in a mood for a certain kind of feel that that boom that boom that boom boom that boom that you know what I mean sometimes you just uh, longing for a certain kind of feel and I like that one a lot I I'm often looking for that feel another one I like is 
junk, junk, duk, junk, junk, duk, you know, like that. That's, uh, you know, love from uh, between Clark and Hildale or Wonder People. Eric Burden and the Animals with Monterey. Last to last show, I guess it was, maybe. Um, and maybe it was the show before that. I don't remember, but Speed the Plow, my friend John Nielsen's old band. They had that beat in the song I played, Concrete and Coal. No, wait, no, no, no. Coal and Courage. I'm thinking of Concrete and Clay. That's Unit 4 plus 2. That's a whole different feel. But me and John Nielsen, we just got tickets to see Robin Hitchcock right around the corner from my house. I could walk there. It's pretty cool. Looking forward to it. Anyway, so we heard July 4 with Frightened Little Girl. And before that, Iggy Pop with Don't Look Down from his great album, New Values. 1979 maybe I remember when that record first came out I was listening to it in the store where I worked Sam Goody Records the song African Man came on even then it seemed pretty audacious but I decided to go right into those numbers off the top you know we have our customary prepared opening the uh, concept opening designed not so much to bring a chuckle as to lift the burden of sincerity from me I think we succeeded in that, and now we're in the show proper. Welcome. Today, for some reason, I'm personally preoccupied with themes of ghosts and ghosting and hauntings and hauntology, maybe. But uh, we'll see how that plays out in the course of the show. You all know about Iggy Pop, so I'm not going to get into his stuff too much. July 4, the July 4. I really don't know what to tell you about them, because I don't know anything about them. It was a single... And that song, Frightened Little Girl, is the only song they've done I, that I know of. The B-side, even, was an instrumental version of the same song, which you're listening to. And now, Charles Ives, Let There Be Light.
That was Brevity by Abraham Wood, published that piece in the year 1800. That's 220 years ago, which is also, coincidentally, my age. The lyric goes like this. Man born of woman, like a flower short-lived is seen to rise. At morning blooms, at evening hour he withers, falls, and dies. That little bit of cheer was drawn from, uh, well, adapted from the book of Job. One of the more obnoxious books in the Bible. But the fact that it's obnoxious doesn't take away from its uh, accuracy as a picture of how some human lives go. Trust me. Before that, it was Charles Ives' processional, Let There Be Light. That title drawn from the book of Genesis from the Bible. And there you have it. That's the whole story, pretty much. We emerge from the darkness, then we go through all of this shit. Then who knows? The unfortunate thing about that piece, Brevity, is that there's another recording of it that I can't find. It was on an LP, and it might have perished in um, the, a fire-slash-flood that destroyed thousands of albums of mine some years back. Real drag, man. Um, kind insurance company gave us, I think, $200 for the loss. At any rate, the version I can't find was by the Western Wind, a really nice vocal ensemble that uh, did this entire album called The Happy Journey, full of early American hymns. And their version is a smaller ensemble of voices going directly from Abraham Wood's published scoring. And the recording is very dry. You don't get that that reverb, that cathedral-style reverb. And what you wind up with is something that's a lot more intimate and feels a lot more like New England and that stern religiosity that... Uh, they went for up that way. And the notable thing is that the dissonances, what sound in that piece you just heard, which is the correct arrangement, but it's just kind of smoothed out a little bit in a way. The, uh, there, were, there were harmonies that sound sort of modern. And when you hear the other version, they're, um, they're more pungently dissonant, which I find far more beautiful in this case, and it ties it to later music by Charles Ives and others. In the same way that a lot of uh, early polyphony seems less ancient harmonically to me than um, some of the romantic and classical era stuff that we know. Musicological wool gathering aside, there are personal reasons why these themes are preoccupying me. On the last show, I expressed a lot of private personal stuff in terms of politics and its effect on uh, families and relationships. Not sure it was the right idea. I think people hear political stuff like that, and it, these days anyway, it's, it's seen as provocative and divisive. People get their hackles up. You know, they, they think you're trying to start something. I don't know if anybody did, but it's a risk. And maybe the same thing goes for religion, and uh, relying on religious pieces here doesn't, uh, shouldn't be taken as any kind of preachment. Certainly not that. But it's not not that either. But there are things that you go through and there are things that you think about that lend themselves to these seemingly eternal modes of 
contemplation and expression, longing and desolation, awe, dread. I always thought that faith was the opposite of certainty. It's something that people work to maintain, to create. I think it's a constantly creative process. Very personal. And this show is very personal. It's, it's an attempt to share something with you. Things I find beautiful and inspiring and fun. Uh, it's a proxy for what I used to do, which was more uh, generative. I wrote songs and did things like that. It didn't go so well, but that desire is still there. It's a desire for connection. And if we look at life this way, that suddenly you're in the light, then you go through all this other shit, and then who knows what? Why? Why are we doing it? I think music is the richest place to find hints to that, sometimes actual glimpses. It is for me, and it's also a great point of human contact, which, as painful as it can be, is the most important thing.
people argue about the word genius and whether there is such a thing and what it means if there is such a thing and I don't know but for me I think it's a useful word for those who operate at a certain level above and beyond even the best of ordinary talents and if we're going to use that definition of it then you just heard three of them very different but I think undeniable gifts the first was Carol King who had few songwriting peers they were writing with her husband at the time Jerry Goffin Some of Your Lovin' The Honeybees if you've been listening to these shows you know how much that girl group thing means to me we'll talk about that some other time but wow good one then it was the incomparable Thelonious Monk with a very unusual cut from his Monk's Music album and the joke there is that uh, it's not a Thelonious Monk song that's a hymn written by William Henry Monk back in, again in the 1800s abide with me the lyric ordinarily sung to that music is abide with me fast falls the eventide the darkness deepens lord with me abide when other helpers fail and comforts flee help of the helpless oh abide with me a plea in desperation although Thelonious Monk almost certainly was just going for the joke probably liked the hymn tune too may have sung it in church as a kid I don't know but speaking of hymns of desperation our third genius is the great Vivian Stanchel from his 1975 album Men Opening Umbrellas Ahead Strange Tongues which I think is his greatest work it's uh, an explosion of his terror the fear that strangled him in life when that album came out I was a young Bonzo dog band fanatic and was shocked by it and didn't care for it and I was especially shocked to hear him uh, sarcastically reading an excerpt from one of my own fan letters a rude awakening it was heartbreaking and I still can't bear to listen to that track but this one came to mean a lot to me as I became more acquainted with the abyss there's a lot to say about it musically and lyrically. The idea of the recorder that played that jaunty figure in I'm the Urban Spaceman, which was the first Bonzo song I'd heard. Here, that same recorder is just holding a note at the end, this broken, defeated note that just holds on till it can't. Another thing is one of the bits of odd verbal content in the song. Don't tell me you've abandoned corpses for peeping out of windows. Never made any sense to me for decades. I just thought it was some Dada outburst. But then just a couple of years ago, I had this movie on the television. Vincent Price in The Tingler. And uh, the doctor character that he plays discovers a creature living in people's spines that feeds on fear. And instead of conducting the experiments he had been conducting, he's peeking out the window in terror of some nameless I don't know what and his unfaithful sarcastic wife utters that line to him just kind of leaped out at me while I was half listening to this movie and gives you an insight into the way Stanchel's mind worked he built these things out of these found bits and they meant things you know it wasn't just uh, gratuitous weirdness <laughs> Melody 
young folk got it. Everybody's crazy about the dark times. Ain't no use for you women to always be the rush. Just cut up to your man and do your wicked stuff. Old folks got it. Young folks got it. Everybody's crazy about the dark times. A hundred dollar bill will make a broke man slobber. A woman with the strut will make a good man holler. Old folks got it. Young folks got it. Everybody's crazy about the dark times. Take the greyhound for running. Take the rhymes on the road. Take the man with the strut to satisfy my soul. Old folks got it. Young folks got it. Everybody's crazy about the dark times. Everybody's crazy about the dark times. Some of you men, when you're striping hoes, you done lost your strut many years ago. Those folks got it, young folks got it. Everybody's crazy about the dark times. Just as sure as little feet, can't live on dry land. A woman with the strut can always get a man. Those folks got it, young folks got it. Everybody's crazy about the dark times, God.
Where a two-timing jaybird Met the divine Miss O I'd like to ruffle his plumage That Baltimore Oreo Messed around with that big eye Till he singed her wings Forgiven is easy It's a woman like now And then could happen things Send her back home And alone Home ain't home Without her warbling How she can sing Make a lonely man happy Had to break that dark, heavy mood, so I tried to do so with three old recordings kind of grouped them together because they all have that scratchy lo-fi sound. They were from 1929, 1938, and 1951, respectively. First, we had Minnie Wallace with the Memphis Jug Band. The old folks started it. Great record. Then it was an improvisation by Charles Ives, recorded privately in 1938. Self-funded recordings that were uh, released originally in the 70s on a box set that was one of my first Charles Ives uh, purchases and it opened up a world to me that still abounds with discovery. The third cut was Hoagie Carmichael, my beloved Hoagie Carmichael. Another private recording, this one's from 1951, that was his masterpiece, Baltimore Oriole, my favorite version of that song. Sounds crappy sonically, but it conjures up some kind of an atmosphere. Wow. I've been doing too much talking in this show. Or not.
sobrevivido al caminar y cada segundo de incertidumbre, cada momento de no saber, son la clave exacta de ese tejido que ando cargando bajo la piel, así te protejo, aquí sí el centro, yo te llevo dentro, hasta la Once her love was mine 
I subscribe to a bunch of magazines, and one of them is The Atlantic, which carries the ludicrous motto, of no party or click, click or clique, whatever you prefer. 
there's usually one or two things of genuine interest each issue. It's pretty well written. But the main benefit of reading it, as far as I'm concerned, is to study the currents of a certain prominent ideology. Or if you prefer, a certain party. Or clique. Or clique, if you prefer. So we've got this writer named James Parker. A real jerk-off. It's always a great subject of such study. And he ran a piece a couple of years ago called The Whitest Music Ever. That was the title of the article. The Whitest Music Ever. Subheader. Prog rock was audacious, innovative, M-dash, and awful. Thus spake James Parker, clearly overlooking the diversity of Gentle Giant's instrumentation. Here's the last line in the article. Quote, The proggers got away with murder, artistically speaking, and then, like justice, came the Ramones. Unquote. What a dick. But if you agree, you surely didn't enjoy that last song, Think of Me with Kindness by Gentle Giant, from an album called Octopus. It might be my favorite prog album, and that song's a complete gem. I've loved it for decades, even after I heard punk rock. Yeah, even then. And then before that, you might have thought you heard Andy Williams, but you didn't. You heard John Gary, who was a big easy listening star back in the 60s and 70s, I guess. Now we talked about Prague. That's from a genre you might call schmaltz. In Yiddish, it's chicken fat. But in any language, it's easy listening, middle of the road, sentimental music. And that one is a good one. And I guess it proves Prague wasn't the whitest music ever. Not that that's a bad thing. Before John Gary, we heard Natalia Lafourcade with Hasta la Raiz, title cut from a great album released in 2015. She's from Mexico. First time I saw her was on uh, Austin City Limits. Really impressive show, a great band, and the chord changes are really magical to me, really struck me strongly. Almost steely Danish sometimes. Mmm, I'll get to them one day. I'm, I'm warning you. Now, on previous shows, we presented some rarities, oddities, by Leonard Bernstein and Jerome Kern. And for those of you who enjoyed that, if any, we got George Gershwin here. His last project was a movie called A Damsel in Distress, 1937. And George was a little sick of Fred Astaire singing every song he wrote. So he composed a couple of mock madrigals for a chorus to sing. Naturally, the director stuck Fred Astaire in the chorus. What can you do? But uh, poor George died before the film was released. And here's the Greg Smith singers doing Sing of Spring, one of the two madrigals from A Damsel in Distress. Shepherd free. 
to see when the danger becomes acute. to meet our face Guess whose power they'll use to work those pearly gates We'll be there We'll be there We'll be Hearing Gershwin put me in mind of a fellow stage composer, Hank Beebe, who wrote that last number with Bill Heyer for the industrial show Diesel Dazzle. If anything I've ever done earns me a permanent footnote in the ephemeral annals of our temporary culture, it'll be my minor participation in the popularization of industrials. Hank is a giant of the genre, or giant of the genre, is still with us. He's a wonderful man. He sure deserves the spotlight that Steve Young has shone upon him. Meanwhile, I'm preoccupied, like France in 1939. James Parker's stinging rebuke to Prague and its pallid supporters weighs heavy on my mind and uh, has me worried that you won't think me hip. Please think me hip. I'll prove it with some records I bought when I was a young man, clutching the bloody talisman of privilege, but learning.
Why has it all got to be so terribly loud? For me, frankly, it's too loud. I just can't bear Hey, man. Just because you're too old to dig these sounds, don't let your bum trip on us, right? So there are a few things you heard from various alcoves of what was called punk or new wave back in days of yore. And mine and maybe our in X-ray Specs. That was a single on orange vinyl. Very vivid. Uh, as befits the title Day the World Turned Dayglow. Husker Du from Zen Arcade, a fantastic double album on SST. And The Soft Boys, that was a single from Robin Hitchcock's band. And uh, breaking news, John Nielsen and I, of course, are going to see Robin Hitchcock, but uh, Willie, Willie Liguri's coming. He just bought tickets to the show. That's at the Bolton Center on May 17th here in Bayshore, New York. Come celebrate Steve Donnelly's birthday with us, whether he comes or not. Walking distance from the actual schoolyard gents, where we will be drinking and listening to music for real after the show. So you're invited if you buy a ticket to Robin Hitchcock, and we'll see you there maybe, eh? Why not? Some might note a lack of the production pieces and zany old-time radio IDs and whatnot on this episode of Buckaroo Holiday. Is that better? Is it worse? Does it make a difference? I don't know. But I think you'd agree we don't want to force this thing, you know, this, this humor thing. Otherwise, you might wind up with something like, oh, this... I think we can all agree that a certain standard must be upheld and we can't resort to things like that. Instead, perhaps, uh, another little touch of irrelevant musical erudition. I'm gonna play a couple of songs by musicians who are known for very different music from the days when they had rock bands. First one is Chuck Mangione. He's a flugelhorn player who had a big hit with Feels So Good, and um, is it Mangione? I don't know, I don't know. But in the psychedelic days, he had a band with his brother Gap and some others called The National Gallery. They did one album, which was a strange collection of songs, each one based on a different painting by Paul Clay. They would just take the titles of these paintings and spin a song off of it. There's a couple of cuts on the album I really like. I'm going to play one called Diana in the Autumn Wind. Equally psychedelic, pertaining to a different season of the year, is the next cut entitled 4 a.m. June, The Sky Was Green. <laughs> Dig it. <laughs> this is by a band called The Open Window, which included Peter Shickley, better known as PDQ Bach. A musical satirist who was very, very popular back in the 60s and 70s. Also wrote some soundtracks and uh, a lot of arrangement on albums for people like Joan Baez. So this was his band. So here you go, opening up the psychedelic closet. Thank you. 
If you know the song, feel free to... Here we go with the... And a couple of... Plus a kind of a... In addition to... Don't forget about... Not to mention... A, Making room for the <laughs> plus a whole mess of <laughs> yeah, take it away. Mm. 
also featuring you just gotta say <laughs> I'm beginning to Next time you're thinking of accusing me of slacking, of giving you less than my 100% best, remember that I wrote that song for you. Remember that we're alone now, and I sang that song for you. For this podcast tonight, today, whenever you listen to it, right now, just for you. All right? Ever think about quarter tone music? Daunting, a daunting prospect for many people. Kind of a challenge to the ear. Ben Johnston has tried to make the challenge a little less daunting. Along with some others, like Kyle Gann, they try to write accessible music for the quarter-tone piano. A modified piano or set pair of pianos where the notes between the keys are included in the composition. Ives did a few pieces like this, and Harry Parch based most of his work on the idea of this expanded scale. And I kind of like it. When people try to do these more accessible pieces so that it's not completely out of the realm of conventional melodicism and harmony, the microtonal stuff makes it sound kind of elastic, almost like a silly putty version of a conventional music piece. It moves in unpredictable directions and all sorts of new and wild colors come into it. Sometimes it might sound sour, sometimes it might be surprisingly beautiful. I don't know what you think, but give it a try. Ben Johnston. The Takata movement from his suite for microtonal piano.
try and sell me a pig in a pole Cause I know them like the back of my hand Talking to an ostrich Ain't no joke Cause he goes and sticks his head in the sand A joker once tried to tell me He bit a dog and call it a day And it was raining Cats and dogs But he didn't have a place to stay
Alice Cooper, the band, from the second album, Easy Action. That was Beautiful Flyaway. Pretty atypical cut for that band at that time. Roughly around that same time, around 1971-ish, was the cut before that in our little piano-based set. Blast Furnace, a band from Denmark. They did one album, and it's great. It's a great album. It didn't do well even in Denmark. I know some members went on to form another band called Culpepper's Orchard that was pretty good. But Blessed Furnace's album is nice. It's a kind of a prog album, but it's not based around long instrumental sections and things. It's tight songwriting. I don't know why, but I get a weird feeling like uh, some of the ballads on uh, Judas Priest's Sad Wings album. There's this thing about their lyrics. I'm not sure about this, but I think that a lot of people, if English is not your first language, and you're writing songs in English, there's often an unusual interest in English or American cliches, figures of speech, you know, and the plays on words are uniquely those of somebody coming from a different linguistic perspective. And I think there's some of that going on in this song. There's kind of a delight in these weird dog metaphors. But anyway, there's such a wealth of these terrific bands floating around Europe through the 70s especially. Not just prog bands, but all kinds of odd offshoots and permutations and inventions. Stuff like Wigwam. Gotta play them from Finland. Might not have them. Great band. Let's see if I can hook you up with some Wigwam along the line here, but not right away. I uh, got something else in mind. Play a couple of things that are somewhat more recent, relatively speaking. One is from the year 2011. It's something my son Miles turned me on to. It's an album called Hawaii Part 2. I don't know anything about a Part 1, but it's by Joe Hawley, who is a member of a band called Tally Hall that my son is also crazy about. And in fact, I'm planning to have Miles on the show at some point with me to discuss some of the music he likes, uh, be Tally Hall and other bands that he likes, as well as a lot of the music he's drawn from uh, films and games. But this record puts me in mind of Van Dyke Parks a little bit. And then after that, I'm going to play a record that I bet you very few of you like, but I don't know, I could be wrong. Everybody I've played it for tends to go, eh. I happened to catch it on the NYC channel a few years back. It's a New York City-based channel that shows a lot of arts programming, and they have this video show that included this. It's a song from 2008. This strangely Baroque number by a band called Wild Beasts. It's so over the top that it gets there, I, I think, you know. Uh, see what you think. So we have here Stranded Lullaby, followed by The Devil's Crayon. There's a still tension in the swell Of dreamt debris afloat amidst the waves and then dispel
Anchorless and unmoored set amiss Awake would only prove the fantasy made lucid sense Sail on, sail on
I'll thank you to keep your filthy insinuations to yourself. Why, it's a wonder I can breathe in here for the stench of your hypocrisy. Why, I... Ah, oh, shit. Hold on. Hi. Request line. Uh-huh. Ah, hi. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, I can do that. Sure. Thanks for calling. Okay, bye. So we just got a request from a Jenica who says, I've had it with all this Ponderoso. How about something a little down to earth? Maybe some Davis sisters. I've forgotten more than you ever know about him. You think you know the smile on his lips, the thrill at the touch of his fingertips, but I've forgotten more than you ever know about him. You think you'll find a heaven of
The Davis sisters weren't sisters, but they were bona fide Davises. Soon after the success of the first song you heard there, I Forgot More Than You'll Ever Know, they were in a bad car crash, and Betty Jack Davis died. Skeeter Davis survived, and she enjoyed a legendary career in country music, and she was married for a little while to uh, Joey Spampanato from NRBQ. That song is real country to me. All that strangeness, and really heartfelt and right to the point. The song after that was Waitin'. It's a song written by William Bolcom, performed by the marvelous mezzo Jan Digetani. We fans of uh, 20th century American art song, as well as the ancient stuff, and that's me. You know, the stuff in between doesn't usually grab me much. But we owe her a lot. Her gorgeous voice and, and exceptional musical intelligence. She brought to life so many treasures. A lot of it on um, none such records. Back when that label was a really reliable source of great musical discoveries. She died shortly after that song was released. It was on a superb album called Songs of America on Home, Love, Nature, and Death. Something tells me she knew this was her parting work. It's rich and true and varied. Really wonderful album. I recommend it. For such a simple number, Waitin' touches something really deep. A lot of the songs that I put on the show here express things that I hope you can use in your own life. For me, they've given voice to things I can't really express. And over the past few months, and certainly over the past few shows, life has been filled with pain and loss for us here. While working on this very show, I got a call that a friend had died, and after I'm done with this spiel, we're going to the wake. The reason I mention it is that it might be detectable in the show, I don't know. But it illustrates something I mentioned earlier about songs being, for me anyway, a kind of a sacred place where time slows and moments are preserved and dreams can bloom freely. Anger and pain and sorrow, you can take them and remake them into something beautiful. You can use it instead of just letting it destroy you. I really admire those who are able to create such things. They amaze me. It's a pleasure to share some of the things that I've found. I hope that the darker intrusions are not so much a bummer as a kind of companionship. Anyway, time flies, or tempos, fug it, to falsely quote Helen Wigan, because that'll wrap another buckaroo holiday. All that I've mentioned here makes it appropriate to end on a song from On the Town by Leonard Bernstein, Betty Comden, and Adolph Green, all three of whom I had the great luck and honor to lift a toast with at the bar at Radio City Music Hall back in the 1980s. You don't get too many nights like that. Really a thrill. But it was also an honor to have your attention for this show, and I hope we do it again soon. To falsely quote the president of Hertz this time, car per diem. (laughs) See ya. 24 hours can go so fast You look around, the day has passed When you're in love, time is precious stuff Even a lifetime isn't enough Where has the time all gone to?
dry the dishes Oh well, we'll catch up some other time Can satisfy my craving Never have watched you while you're shaving the time Just when the fun's beginning Comes the final ending Haven't had time to wake up seeing you there without your makeup oh well we'll catch up some other time